and welcome to the latest podcast from TransUnion. I'm Louise North, Senior Account Director and External Community Chair for Women at TU in the UK. Today, the Women at TU team are taking over the podcast to talk about supporting women for success. We're hoping this will be the first of many episodes in which we, the Women at TU team, can discuss the important issues that impact women within our organisation and across our industries. For those of you who aren't familiar with Women at TU, our mission is to build a more diverse workforce for TransUnion and to support individual development and advocate for women's growth and leadership opportunities. Today, we'll be discussing supporting women for success and asking our guests to share their own experiences and challenges they may have faced in their careers to date. We'll cover key topics including navigating the male-dominated environments of financial services and tech, how they supported other women in their careers, and work-life balance and the impact that balancing a family alongside a career can have on progression. I'm delighted to be joined by three special guests today. So welcome, everyone. Hello. Hello. Hi, Louise. To kick us off, could I ask you all to introduce yourselves and spend a little time on what supporting women for success means to you? And Fiona, I'll come to you first, if that's okay. Thanks, Louise. Hi, everyone. I'm Fiona Anderson. I look after everyday banking for HSBC UK. Thinking about supporting women and trying to be successful, for me, it's about coaching women to progress, um, achieving gender equality and paying back some of the support and the learnings I've received over the years. I hope they avoid my mistakes and take a smoother path to become people-focused leaders, to pass on the ability to develop a culture that enables their colleagues to thrive, not just survive at work. It's a lot about leaving a legacy for me, Louise. Brilliant. Thank you, Fiona. And um, Jenny, over to you. Hi, Louise. Thank you for having me. My name is Jenny Welch. I've been at Google for 13 years. I work in the advertising sales part of the business and currently lead top accounts in the consumer retail sector. Supporting women for success is so important for me because as I move through my career, I've seen so many of my cohort step out of the workplace altogether or significantly reduce their hours. And these are friends and colleagues who, quite honestly, I would say are smarter than me or who I would have described as probably more career driven at the outset. And they've stepped back either because they couldn't get the numbers to stack up in terms of childcare costs and what they're earning or because it just got too hard to do everything for a while. And they perhaps took some time off and then found it difficult to get back into the workplace. And I'm pretty sure that I would have been one of those women if it wasn't for an employer who supports flexibility and flexible working, both formally through reduced hour contracts and informally, um, and also through a handful of women who have been really supportive managers, mentors and role models along the way. So I agree, it's about paying it forward. And that can be in big ways through things like sponsoring and mentoring, and also in small ways. So noticing if somebody is struggling with confidence, for example, and being really intentional about supporting them when they speak up in meetings. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Jenny. And Shale, last but not least. Thank you, Louise. I'm Shale Deep, SVP and Chief Product Officer for TransUnion Europe, and I'm responsible for fueling new product innovation and delivery of products and solutions that help solve critical business issues for our clients. And we do this by developing compelling and integrated data analytics and tech solutions. And supporting women to be successful means that we create a supporting environment where all women are able to fulfill their potential and are not hitting the ceiling because of unconscious bias that's there in the system, where they have equal access to sponsors and mentors and development programs as men, and they feel equally safe and confident in making their opinion heard and where they can make their own decisions. 
Thank you, Shale. Brilliant. So it's really clear how important this topic is to you all from how passionately you speak about it. I know our listeners are really keen to hear more. So I'll move on to the first question. And that's over to Fiona. And Fiona, as a woman thinking about your background, what would you say have been the biggest lessons that you've taken from past experiences that you still refer to today and why? That's a great question, Louise. And, and for me, the lesson that I really think about every day almost is that no matter what, the success that I've had so far and that everyone can have comes from within them. No one takes that away. And rebuilding again and again is always possible. And it, it's a great way to think about how you're going to make decisions going forward. I've had great managers. I've had not so great ones. And I've learned so much from both. In fact, I have to admit, I've learned probably the most from some of my worst managers. And that's been quite hard to absorb sometimes. I think my ethos for every role now is I look at three things. So make sure my team never steps over anyone in trouble. And secondly, if there's a fire burning, I want everyone to go and help put it out. Grab a bucket, fill it with water. And thirdly, no surprises because I can help, my leadership team can help. These are really things that I've developed directly from managers who sometimes pretty much expected the exact opposite. Uh, it's hard to believe, but it has happened. And maybe some of the listeners today could um, sympathize with that. For me, living these as principles at work and setting out of as expectations for my teams mean that people always look out for each other. They step in to support and they, they do that without question. The culture, it becomes a great environment to work in. It's almost like looking down on the teams who are all shoulder to shoulder, but instead of facing inwards, they're all facing outwards and they manage to spot the gaps and ultimately the risks to our customers and our business really quickly. But they never feel alone. And they're never unsupported. So for me, the lesson is it comes within and you can take those lessons that I've developed anywhere. I think that's that's probably what it means for me, Louise. Thank you, Fiona. It sounds very much like the more difficult situations have taught you the most about kind of leading your teams. Um, Shale, I'll come over to you now. And I'd like to ask, how have you supported women in their careers, including those that are in male-dominated roles or environments? And what advice would you give to others concerned about navigating a similar landscape? That's great, Louise. So I have received support along the way. And similarly, in terms of giving it back to other women and communities, I have supported women by mentoring them and more importantly, sponsoring them to help them in their careers. And most of my career has been in male-dominated environments from um, tech consulting to banking and now in information and insights industry. And I've championed diversity and inclusion initiatives for the past five years across organizations. And at TU, I'm sponsoring Women's Network Resource Group. In fact, as you mentioned, Louise, that this conversation has been sponsored by Women at TU, which is basically open to all employees who are passionate about promoting women's growth. And it spans across networking, personal development, mentoring, and supporting working parents. And in all these initiatives, what's really important and powerful is to showcase role models. And as you know, today we have two strong role models from the industry with Fiona and Jenny. And in the spirit of sharing stories and personally sponsoring women, let me talk about a member of my team who was going to move to Australia because she wanted to be close to her family. And as she started a new chapter in her married life, she was so competent that even though I was sad to see her go, I wanted to ensure that she had the option of continuing with her career when she moved. 
And for this move, she had also stood down a promotion. So I explored if she could do the same role from Australia, but unfortunately, because of the time zone difference and crew policies in pre-COVID days, it was not possible. So then I got her a role with the Australia business with the bank, and she's still contributing towards the bank and to the growth of the business there. And while continuing with the choice of starting a family. And I was able to do that because of the network I had in Asia region um, and the Australia business. And I would strongly urge all the women out there to invest in creating a strong network and creating a strong brand for yourself and then helping other women who need this sponsorship and choose to continue with their career choices. Oh, fantastic. That's really good to hear, Shale. Thank you. Um, I know from our own experience as part of women at TU and the NRG, that your support's been fantastic. So thank you very much for that. And Jenny, a question now over to you. Um, Many people, especially women, are trying to find the optimum work-life balance, excelling in their careers whilst also being present at home with the family. What advice would you give based on your own experience and how have you tackled this challenge? Um, Work-life balance is so important for success because you have to set your life up in a way that is sustainable. No one's at their best when they're tired. And it's also important to be intentional about work-life balance. Otherwise, it's so easy for the work hours to creep and things to slip a little bit. So it's something that I make sure that I think about often and check in with myself frequently. That said, I've come to realise that things are never perfectly in balance, certainly not day to day or perhaps within a week. There will naturally be weeks where work is really busy and needs more of your time. So there are two kind of strategies which really help me to tackle this challenge when it happens. And the first is to think about what are the things that are really important to me. So I kind of bucket up in my head the six areas of work life, um, which I need to make sure that I'm covered. So one is obviously work, there's family, there's house stuff, exercise time off or downtime and friends. And what I try to do is make sure that over a period of, say, two to three weeks, all of these things are kind of getting the balance that they deserve. And I'm giving the time to each of those that I feel like they need. And I think it's about knowing where you're happy to compromise. So in those weeks when work is really busy, it's about deciding which of the other things you can perhaps let slip for a while. So it might be that you're not going to see friends that week or the house will be a mess um, or you'll do a bit less exercise that week. But I'll make sure that then the following week when work's calmed down a bit, for example, that I make time intentionally for those things that perhaps let slip. Um, The one for me that's non-negotiable is the family time. It's really important to me that I have time with my kids before and after school and at the weekend. So I know for me that's a thing that's not going to move either. But I know what those other three or four areas are that I have to play with that I can move around for that overall balance. And then the second strategy I use is prioritization. And this is really important because it really gives yourself a chance of fitting in your work into your work hours. And I had a really good reminder of how important this is earlier this year. So back in January, with lockdown and the schools closing again, Google offered a really generous carers leave policy, which meant that myself and a lot of other parents dropped down to 50% hours during those couple of months. And it was kind of interesting timing because I'd just written my quarterly objectives. And what it forced me to do was take those objectives back out. And I knew that I had to cross out 50% of them. There were half of those things that I had to not commit to doing, if you like, if I was going to get through the next few months. And what that really forced me to do was ruthlessly prioritize. So decide what were the two or three things that I would focus on for the biggest impact? What were the things I could perhaps delay until the next quarter or pass off to someone else? 
And then honestly, there was a third bucket of things that when I really thought about it, the time investment that they required probably weren't worth the impact overall. And those were things that I thought, actually, I can probably just let those slip or pass those off altogether. And the really good thing about that, especially that third bucket, is that that meant that was a whole set of meetings and a whole set of time that would have gone in the diary that actually in this case didn't. And that really freed up time for me to focus on those two or three projects that were going to be able to deliver the most impact over the next few months. So that whole exercise reminded me of how important it is to prioritise all the time, not just in one-off situations like that. And my boss has a saying that it's not prioritization until it hurts, which I think is a really great way to think about being ruthlessly honest with yourself, especially when you're writing objectives about what the things that you're going to dedicate your time to are and what are the things that you can perhaps let slip or perhaps pass off to somebody else. It might be a great stretch opportunity for someone else to take on, for example. Oh, brilliant. Thank you, Jenny. Yes, absolutely. Totally resonates with myself having just returned from maternity leave. And I know a lot of our members ask about this a lot. So how do you balance your career with family and prioritisation? Definitely is something that I think a lot of us could focus on, but not just prioritisation, I suppose, like you say, being absolutely ruthless to the point, like you say, where it hurts. So yeah, brilliant. Thanks so much for that. Fiona, I'm going to come back over to you now um, with this question, which is often it is said that women can be their own worst enemies when being critical of themselves. Would you agree? And what advice would you give to women who are trying to further develop their skills for a promotion? Thanks, Louise. I so agree with this. We are very critical of ourselves. And, and oftentimes I'm coaching invariably a woman who will tell me every single reason she shouldn't apply for a particular next level role or just something that she really fancies doing down to the detail of that role that she couldn't even know yet. Um, the analysis of the role profile is quite amazing by us women uh, versus men because I, I have coached many men and I've never really heard them say that. So huge generalization, but it's certainly my experience. And for me, there isn't a decision to be made until that job is actually offered to the individual. And surely if any of us could do 100% of our next job, we wouldn't necessarily be that engaged and perhaps, dare I say, bored a bit quickly. I think for the next level promotions, two things are fairly critical. So having the sponsorship to get there, so someone who will put your name forward, who will champion your career within the organisation and not to be confused with a mentor. A sponsor is often someone who brought you in or has benefited from your work and generally is more senior to you. And secondly, an understanding of the rules of the next level up. And yes, there will be rules in your organisation around how behaviour um, happens, how work happens and how priorities happen. There was a book that I read recently, and I think we're going to share the link to this book. It was written by Marshall Goldsmith and Sally Helgerson, and it was actually an update on Marshall's original work, which I think was called What Got You Here Won't Get You There. But the update is called How Women Rise, and it outlines how the classical changes in rules happen between middle and senior management. And the frequent errors, I guess, that some women make, assuming that 
when you get into that organization, you were successful by working hard, being on your detail, delivering great results and thinking that every level would simply get reward for those same behaviors. But uh, unfortunately, some of the rules change as you get into more senior levels of management. And this book really, it, it was like a light went on in my head. I, I loved it and I'd recommend it. It's good reading. It opened my eyes to a number of things that I was doing. Finally, I'd suggest that ensuring the next promotion is the right one for you. So I don't subscribe to detailed career planning. Life invariably gets in the way of that. Instead, I try to use a North Star approach to my own career. I spend time thinking about what my last role might be, not my next role. And it can be as far-fetched as I fancy. I use that as a guide to my next best role. What would take me one step towards my North Star? And generally roles that take me closer to that end goal start to feel right. It's a gut feeling. And those that take me one step further away often mean I'm doing it for the wrong reasons and I possibly am setting myself up to be unhappy in that role. Some of those things I would encourage your listeners to have a think about and I'd highly recommend the book that I mentioned earlier, Louise. Oh, thank you, Fiona. Yeah, absolutely. I know that myself and, and again, our members are always kind of critical and and kind of overthinking some things in some instances so yeah really great insight there um, and yes you're right the book how women rise will um, we'll send a link across as part of the uh, of the podcast communications out shale i'm going to come back to you now with this question so transunion as an organization is putting a lot of focus on trying to recruit more young women into stem roles what guidance would you give to women that are in their early careers and how should they go about reaching their goals? Thank you, Louise. It's interesting that, um, you know, research tells us that young women are far less likely to choose career in tech. And that's because we don't have enough role models in the industry. In fact, it starts even before career begins, right? If you look at schools, there are fewer female teachers in STEM courses. And teachers have such a, such a great impact on, on shaping how people think about their own career. In fact, the engineering school that I went to had only 3% girls and the MBA school that I went to had actually doubled the ratio of 6%, which is still really, really skewed towards men. And this reflects into the ratio uh, of women hired into STEM career. And hence, it's really critical that we encourage girls at schools and universities, as well as women in the early stages of their career with training and development programs. So we have two programs running at TransUnion that help with exactly that. The first one, we have female mentors uh, that actually support uh, computer science students in partnership with Leeds University Technical College, where they share with these students their own career journey and how they use their technical skills in workplace environment. We have another strong program, which, say, which is Girls Into Tech, and it is run in conjunction with local schools that gives girls aged 15 and over a chance to learn more about their career in tech. And it has a classroom session, but more importantly, we give them on-the-job shadowing uh, opportunities, followed by a team project, which is consistently being the highlight of the program. And to date, we have sponsored 500 students for this program, and we've seen some really great results from this. Now, if you look at some of the stats, and, and I think Fiona touched on this a little bit, it's very interesting to see that there are 57% of students enrolled in higher education that are women. So there are more women enrolling into higher education. 
there are more women that are joining workforce. Again, 57% of uh, people who join workforce are women. But interestingly, when the career ladder goes to management level, that is where this proportion actually drops to 38%. And there is a difference between how men progress in their career versus how women are progressing. And this is called a classic broken rung problem. This also coincides with the stage at which women make the conscious decision whether they want to raise a family or continue to pursue their corporate career. And this is the stage where they need extra support to be able to do both successfully. So my advice to women would be, you know, continue to do what they're doing in the initial stages of the career because they're going strong, right, with 50% of the ratio. But as we're about to enter the management level, it is really important to have a very strong support structure. So ask for that support. You need a strong support from your family, especially your partner and your organization. And ask for that support because the organization is actually going to benefit from your contribution as you grow stronger in the organization. And don't wait for someone else to give it to you on a platter. Own your career and your career choices. Seek mentors, both men and women, people who've done that and been there because there's a lot to learn from their experiences and have several mentors. And more importantly, seek a sponsor. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Shale. That's really interesting. Um, I know I'll speak for many of us and say that I'd have absolutely benefited from um, advice earlier on in my career, but then also as I started to um, have a family, more support around that uh, very early on in my career would have been uh, would have been fantastic. So yeah, thank you so, so much for that. Uh, Jenny, um, back over to you, if that's okay. Does success have to be in a senior role in one of our organisations or can it be something different? And how do we determine what success is? I love all parts of this question. I think it's so interesting to think about. Does success have to be a senior role? I think no, it doesn't have to be, but it's important that it can be if you want it to be. And it's important that that feels achievable for women and men alike. Can success be something different? Absolutely. And I think it's realistic to acknowledge that what success means to you is likely to change over time as well. Our careers are hopefully long. They could span 30 to 40 years. For most people, it's not realistic or sustainable to constantly be sprinting or pushing upwards for the next role or promotion. More likely, there'll be phases when you really want to be focusing your energy and pushing upwards. And there will also be phases when perhaps success is doing a great job in your core role, but not necessarily looking to take on more or make a big career move. And that might be because you're a parent of young kids or because you're spending time on a life goal like building or renovating your own house. Or you might be doing a course outside of work like an MBA or another course. So how do we determine what success is? I've become a lot more comfortable, I think, with what success means to me over the last few years. And sometimes it means putting aside what we think other people expect of us and really thinking about what's important for you. So, for example, when I came back to work after my second maternity leave, I found that several of my peers had, of course, moved on to other roles or been promoted while I was off. And I felt a lot of expectation when I came back that, that that's what I should be working for and pushing for, too. But actually, when I thought about it, I was pretty exhausted my littlest was still waking up twice a night, which meant that I was never really getting a good night's sleep. And so I decided that in that phase, success for me was working for an organisation that inspires me, doing a great job in my core role, continuing to learn and contribute financially to my family, whilst also having time at the start and the end of the day to spend with my family. Fast forward a couple of years from that, and success for me absolutely meant getting promoted and making it to the next level. 
fast forward five years from now and I'll probably consider success to be something different again. Oh, brilliant. Thank you so much. I think you're absolutely right in terms of success changes over the course of time. And also what success means to one person doesn't necessarily have to be what success means for another. So thank you so much. Well, that actually brings us to our close today. Um, But just before we go, I'd like to end the podcast with the same question to all of our guests. And we'll keep the same order and I'll come over to um, yourself, Fiona and ask if you could give one piece of advice to our listeners on success what would that be so thanks louise i think my advice is quite short do what you love love what you do and choose your manager carefully brilliant thank you and over to you shale yeah i think mine is similar i would say life is short do what gives you a sense of fulfilling a purpose Success is when there is alignment between what you do with your time, your expertise, and the purpose of the organization that you work for. So at TU, we believe in making trust possible with people, and we do that by using information for good. And that is an incredibly powerful purpose. And I believe in it, and that's what makes me go above and beyond. So success is in finding your purpose and following your passion to fulfill it. Thank you so much, Shail. And finally, Jenny. My advice is to know what success means for you and be comfortable following your own career path without comparing. If you don't have a clear picture of where you want to be in, say, 10 years time, don't panic. It doesn't mean you won't be successful. I think that often keeps you more open minded to the opportunities that might come up along the way. I like to think about how even my first job at Google didn't exist the year that I left school, let alone all the different functions and roles that exist now. Um, And so I think it's pretty exciting to think that in 10 years from now, the set of opportunities will probably look different again. And my piece of advice would be to remain open minded about that and what opportunities might open up. Thank you ever so much to all of our guests today, to Fiona, to Jenny and Shale. I'd like to thank our listeners, of course, and all the organisers that have put lots of time into creating this podcast. It's been really insightful. Do keep your eyes peeled for the next in the series of Women at TU podcasts, which will be coming soon. And thanks again. This podcast was produced by TransUnion, a global insights and analytics company. The views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of TransUnion, and TransUnion is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast.